Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 113 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. I'm here with Corey Michael, originally from Pennsylvania, now out here in Chiang Mai. Welcome, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, Corey was just telling me that he used to work for the, the U.S. Embassy and uh, somehow ended up being an entrepreneur, uh, b- building private label brands. He makes over 10 k a month and he sold a couple for well over $300,000. So I'm pretty excited to talk to you, to you about all this. Thanks for coming to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I first got into e-commerce in 2013. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how it all got started. Um, yeah, like I mentioned previously, I worked for the U.S. Embassy, it was, but it turned out to be a lot of hours. And, uh, I mean, pay was great, for, you know, for being 25, but um, I eventually got burned out from doing that and uh, didn't have, you know, don't have any wife or kids. So the next day I got saved up, I want to dive into something new. But the idea was to be location independent while doing that. So, so like, did you read the four hour work week or how did you know you wanted to be location independent? Uh, you know, I, it just kind of accidentally happened. I did read the uh, four hour work week. Um, I think I, I read that, uh, in 2012, I read that and then also read rich dad, poor dad. I think everybody kind of started for those books. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I read those books and, uh, that kind of got the wheels turning a little bit, but I didn't really know what I wanted to get into. So how did you end up getting into like e-commerce, pair of labeling? Yeah, so uh, my friend in uh, Myrtle Beach, he sent me a video about uh, getting started with e-commerce, and uh, that's that was kind of like the seed, the inception, if you will. That was the uh, the seed that got me going. Nice. Do you remember it, what the video was? Um, yeah, it was a it was a video for a course called ASM. Okay, so amazing selling machine, right? Yeah, which a lot of people got their start their start through that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, quite a few people did. Um, and I, again. I don't call anything I do an Amazon business. As a matter of fact, I hate uh, using those words because it's, it's it uh, makes you too close-minded and it puts you in a very risky position if you're calling your business an Amazon business or you're selling only on one channel. Yeah, I like that. Like that, the fact that you're kind of thinking outside the box that you know Amazon or FBA is like the first step into and it, and you know to be. To be frank, it's it's a lot. It's like a great first step, right? Yeah, it's a, it's an excellent launch pad. Um, it's definitely a great launch pad, and it's a great place to get uh, uh, consistent sales from. Uh, but you know, that's just the beginning, like I mentioned. So, yeah. so yeah. I actually just watched a uh, the latest video from uh, ASM, which is now Amazing.com, and they basically put out a video saying, "Hey, members of uh, Amazing Selling Machine, sorry we." Like we, we haven't been in touch for six months. Um, if you're wondering why we've changed from Amazing Selling Machine to Amazing.com and no longer s- teach Amazon FBA, here's the update. Did, did you see that video by chance? I did not, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you told me, so I'm going to go ahead and look at that. Um, yeah, don't rely on any one source for anything. There's a lot of great sources out there to uh, go ahead and, and uh, learn about e-commerce. And it's not just a private label. If you want to do drop shipping, if you want to do another means, digital products, there's all kinds of great courses out there. Don't don't rely solely on one. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like, it, it's to me it, it's it was such a good 
way to get started. Uh, and maybe it still is for a lot of people. So it's kind of hard to say like, okay, that's, you know, like that's not the way to go. Cause if pe- it's really easy for us, you know, with the experience, with the, you know, with the income to say, no, like, let's do it the, the correct way. Let's do it. You know, let's think about the, the big picture. Let's think about the, the brand. Let's think about saleability. But when someone is just getting started, I mean, did you have, like, were you lucky enough to have the mindset of what, you know, I'm just going to use this as a launch pad and then go next? Or, you know, did you have smaller goals? No, no, I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. I only knew how to check my Facebook and email. So I was, uh, I was thrown into the, uh, the dark blue with that. And I learned a lot of things the hard way because I didn't have too many mentors starting out. I lost a lot of money my first year. Really? Like, so what were you losing money on? I was losing money on just, uh, trying to private label things that were uh, patented turned out. Um, let's see here. Something that wasn't FDA approved. Um, yeah. So all in all, probably lost about $10,000 my first year. Yeah. It was horrible, but you know, uh, definitely didn't give up and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, so I, I can imagine for a lot of people who, like they, that's their life savings, right? Ten thousand. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, you know, like, did you have? I mean, did you have a big runway from saving up, working at the, the embassy? Uh, yeah, I suppose I did, but I never really looked at it like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for for everybody who's listening, uh, I guess we want to make sure you get as much out of this as possible, especially if you're just first starting out. Um, you you are constantly uh, flooded with information with uh, different courses and things like that. If you're just starting out and you're overwhelmed, focus on what affects you right now, not necessarily what you're going to use in the future. And that's a really good way to streamline your startup or streamline whatever you're getting into. Yeah, I like that. This is great advice. So can you tell us, like, what was your, you know, your first kind of hit? How did you, did you kind of just get lucky on, on the first product uh, that, you know, or did you kind of develop a system saying like, okay, I'm going to look to make sure it's not, um, it's not patented. I'm going to, you know, make sure it's not a... Uh, FDA product, like how, how did you kind of actually, you know, start getting your success? Yeah. So when I started out, there was no, <laughs> there's no foresight on my, my part, but now I have a compliance team and, uh, you know, you can also do your basic, uh, trademark and patent searches on Google also. So, um, you can have a compliance team, you know, if you have an idea, you can give it to them, let them know, uh, exactly what you're doing and they'll make sure, you know, it can be shipped into the United States. If you have an offshore factory, you know, make sure it's uh, legal, let you know about the tax implications, um, you know, different things like that. Trademark and patent, you're going to need to look for too, depending on what you want to name your brand. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so now you're thinking kind of like really big picture, right? But someone like, let's say someone just wanted to get started and they don't have access to, you know, lawyers, compliance teams. Oh, no. Everything I mentioned is free. Is it really? Yeah. That's no okay. big deal. And so, it can all be done within a couple of days. So that's not a big deal at all. So how would like, can you give us some quick tips on how people would be able to do that? Yeah. Uh, you would just, uh, for the, Shipping compliance, you would talk to a freight forwarder and uh, you could let them know what you're planning on doing and they can just pretty much write you an up an email and, you know, give you, give you the go ahead or ask you additional questions. Okay. The rest so, you can do on Google. That's all. This is just a one or two day thing. Really? Okay. So like, let's say I wanted to sell like spatulas, right? Do, do, <laughs> yeah. Inside joke. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, would I contact a, a ship, like a freight shipping company and say, Hey, I want to Im- import you know, 10,000 of these, is, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they would, you know, probably ask you what the, um, uh, what they would be manufactured from, like most likely it'd be silicone, right? So okay. they would, you know, they would ask you a little bit of details about that. Uh, maybe check your design, make sure it's not something that, uh, somebody has a design patent on, for example. So the actual freight shipping company would check that for you for free? Yeah, they should be able to do that. No problem. You should also do your own research, but, um, yeah, they should be able to 
do do a lot of that for you if they have a compliance team. Okay. And then when you say FDA, like, are you talking about like supplements or like? What oh well, I mean, the FDA regulates a lot more than just supplements, like uh, BPA-free bottles. Uh, you know, different ingredients, uh, different things like that. Okay. And so how would you figure out, like, let's say I wanted to import water bottles and they're BPA free. How would I, how would I get in touch with the FDA to figure that out? Oh, you probably wouldn't have to get in touch with the FDA, but uh, what you would have to do is you'd have to uh, check the manufacturer's uh, certifications to make sure everything's in line, make sure they're current, and then also give those certifications to the compliance team of the free and forwarder. And, you know, they would, they would check and they'd check and be like, yeah, okay, this, this is fine. Okay. I like it. So... Let's talk about like kind of the the actual brand building because I think you know a lot of these things they do take time, but I don't want that stopping anyone from from starting. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, you kind of, sometimes some things you just have to dive into, and uh, this is one of those things that's no exception. Yeah. Okay. So I like it. So when you start, you know, building a brand, right? And you, will you, do you still test it on Amazon now, or how does that work? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of got to a point where I know what to expect. I mean, I would evaluate the competition, um, evaluate the difficulty of the particular product to break into. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to test a market, just go with a uh, low MOQ, maybe like 500 to 1,000 units or maybe less depending if it's really something really expensive cost per unit. Uh, give it a test and um, go from there. If, if it goes through, if, first off, if it's not something that works, don't, don't stress much. You can just sell it all out and then put that money towards something else. Okay. But... Um, have you ever had a uh, a product that you know you order, ordered five hundred of because that was a minimum, and then they just didn't sell? Duds, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, oh, I'm sorry, didn't sell. Um, I'd never had that problem. They would sell; it would just be very slowly. Okay. And uh, maybe it didn't turn out to work the way I wanted it to with the profit margins and the marketing, setting up the websites, things like that. So I've had duds before, but uh, the only catastrophic failures I've had was the ones that got ripped down for legal reasons. Oh, wow. Okay. But other than that, no, don't, don't stress about something not selling. As long as you have those eggs in a basket, I'm sure you can liquidate it. So the ones that, that you said that you got ripped down for legal reasons, are the, those ones that were panted or... Yeah, panted? I don't even mind telling you what those yeah, were. One was a uh, fire starter. It was like a, a piece of metal you could use to uh, start a fire. You know, it's great for camping, things like that. Had a design patent on that. Uh, the other one was a heart rate monitor that wasn't approved by the FDA. So obviously that wasn't even let inside the country. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for... People at home, probably, you know, probably don't sell things that are medical devices, uh, in general. Yep. Right? And then the second is if it, if it has a really cool feature, like, uh, you know, being able to start a fire, you know, with a certain way. Uh, it's not just like a generic product. Maybe look into patents for that. Yeah, and you could uh, have a patent search done, or you can do some basic Google research yourself. And you should also be asking the factory. Also, um, don't take their word for it because again, if you're dealing with certain factories, uh, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear to make money but um definitely get their opinion about things too so like for the fire, fire starter example like how would you actually find out that that's something patented uh if i would have done basic google research and or a patent search like i mentioned i would have found that out so like would you actually google like the, the brand or the name or would you google yeah like i would have Firestarter? googled the uh, major competitor and um see see if they had a, a design patent on that particular shape which okay. they did so okay yeah. that's just the way it goes i mean Got guys for who are starting out. This is not going to be easy by any means, but um, sometimes you just have to keep punching and go through those things. And uh, I'm glad I did because it got to where I am today. Yeah, actually, you know what? Let, let's let's start now and then kind of work our way backwards. Cause yeah, I think, cool. We can Tarantino it. Yeah, because a lot of people are going to be kind of overwhelmed right now. They're thinking, man, like this is a lot more work than, than I assume it's going to be. Right. Uh, but is it worth it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's been worth it. I mean, I've 
made more money in the past two years than I did my entire life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's definitely been worth it. But I mean, that's also going to come with a lot of responsibility too, like, uh, uh, filing taxes, like, you know, it's just been tax season and then also keeping, uh, P and L's and keeping track of your bank statements and your managing your cash flow, et cetera. So it's a real business. <laughs> yeah. It's a real business <laughs> for those who are still curious about that question. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people listen to this. They're either at a point where they're like, I just want to make a couple hundred bucks or a thousand dollars a month so I can live somewhere cheap like Chiang Mai. And I don't want to deal with any of that. And I'm a hundred percent in support of those people. Cause I think it's the first step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a step I took, the step a lot of other people took. Um, and it's a, it's definitely something I'm, I'm happy about. And I had a lot of good times the past two years, uh, you know, doing this. And I've also done a lot of personal growing, too. Um, but some people need to understand also, in my experience doing this, the biggest problem people have is running out of cash. So if you're going to do something, make sure that you are financially prepared to, to do what you need to do. In my case, like just one of my own personal theories, when I grow a brand, I don't take any money out of it from the first year. So, um, all the, all that, uh, you know, 10 K per month we were just talking about. Usually I would put all of that into reinvestment of inventory, expanding to different channels, uh, you know, wholesale ideas, making my website better, more traffic, social media. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely live, you know, well below my means and reinvest as much as possible. I, I think and that's super smart. And I think a lot of people that want to get into, I don't want to say FBA now either because of what you just said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't think that way. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a launch pad. That's just the beginning. But don't get it wrong. There's a lot of money to be made on that channel. Yeah, because and, and especially the way, the way you're doing it. So to kind of break down, you know, like your method uh, of growing this private label brand, you know, you're, you're uh, finding a great product. You're making sure... It, it could actually be sold. You know, it's not going to get taken down for FDA or compliance reasons um, or copyright. You know, uh, issues. You're going to test it on Amazon, make sure it actually sells, and then you're going to take the the revenue from that that you get every single month to build up the brand bigger on Amazon. Or do you do you start like right away bring it to your own brand? Um, well, if you want to start out like uh, using Amazon to fulfill and sell your products, that's no problem at all. But something you want to get on real quick is building that giant email list and creating return customers because uh after that you know you you own them and if they like you they're going to continue to buy from you they're going to tell you they're going to tell their friends about you um and they're going to be repeat buyers and then also you're going to be able to do email marketing which is great so you definitely want to have even if you're just selling on amazon to start out you make sure you want to have a killer website awesome email opt-ins social media and uh you know, the email marketing we talked about, because that's how you build a big boy brand. You want to be a big boy brand here. You don't just want to be a random, uh, paperclip being sold on Amazon. You know what I mean? And especially this is just something else I do. I do the most premium priced, expensive, um, best product there is. So I, I definitely, that's one thing I do. I try to be the best I can offer. And I understand some people are going to go for the cheaper option, but I'm not interested in those people. I'm interested in the people who want to go with the best. You know, I've heard this so many times and for most of my life, I used to not understand it because I was the cheap shopper. I would, right, always, yeah. Yeah, I would always buy the lowest price item regardless. And it wasn't until pretty recently when I started having a little bit more money that I started buying the premium products. And even like when it comes to like tea, right? I just bought some ginger tea the other day. Ah, love ginger tea. Right. Mix it with turmeric and some raw honey. Amazing. <laughs> and I remember I was at the store 
and there was one on sale for thirty percent less than you know the the brand I normally buy, and I didn't even bother looking at it because. I know the brand that I normally buy, and it's not even like this, you know, it's not like a, some, a brand that you see on TV or anything. It's just, I remember looking at the back of it, looking at the ingredients and seeing it's 100% ginger, it's quality ingredients, and no sugar added, things like that. And for the first time in my life, I decided, hey, even if this one on sale also checks out, I'm not even going to bother because, <laughs> you know, it's not the, the premium brand that I know is going to be good. And I think having this kind of mind shift, you know, uh, set shift, May, you know, makes me like that that premium customer that we want to attract. Yeah, and there's way more premium customers than just you and I. I mean, there's a whole world of them. And um, yeah, it's like you said, some things you just want to buy the best of, whether it's the ginger tea you just mentioned. If you're going to buy a sport coat, for example, you just want to make that purchase one time. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's that. that's just the way I do it and I, my way to go. That's all. So Corey just showed me one of the brands that he created from scratch and he ended up selling for quite a bit of money uh, because you know we want to protect the the new owner of the company we're not gonna uh, say the website or the, what the niche is uh, but it's one of those products that it's pretty generic like it's one of those products that like you can kind of think of you know if you go to like a sporting goods store and, you, and it's one of those things that you're like oh, okay this looks like a pretty good product that I might need for you know for going outdoors and can you kind of explain how long that took from starting it to to selling it? And actually, how much did you end up selling it for, by the way? Cool. Uh, so the sale price on that one was $140,000. That was the sale price. 10% went to the broker. And uh, there was like one shipping bill that was in my name that I also had to pay. But the rest of the money went to my pocket. And nice. this, is, this is all before taxes. So it's still a big chunk of change I got to keep. So um, well, with this brand, it's called a uh, water sports gear brand. But uh, when I was developing it, you know, I went with my, uh, you know, theory I just told you about. I made sure it had the best materials, the best sewing, the best clips, the best straps, you know, everything like that. So it ended up being, you know, more money per unit. But uh, I ended up selling it for more money than the competition also. Okay. So, like, what was, like how much was kind of the cheapest item and how much were you selling it for? Uh, I think the cheapest one at the time was like uh, $3.65 per unit. And then I was selling it for about twenty dollars per unit. So it was three dollars on Amazon to the customer, or is that no? That's price? how much I paid the oh, factory per okay, unit. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Okay, and then the actual retail price? The actual retail price was always between like twenty and twenty-five. Okay, for your unit. Yeah, if somebody wanted to buy it, that's what they would pay. Okay, and like, were there competitors selling it for cheaper? Oh yeah, I mean, there was, there is, still is competitors who're selling for like you know ten dollars or less. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but that that's uh. That's always going to be there. You know what I mean? You don't want to be part of the race to the lowest price because you're always going to lose that race because there's always going to be somebody bigger than you who can push their, you know, retail price lower if you're just selling generic stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I took that generic item you talked about and then I made it a premium, premium version. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the way, uh, it went and it turned out to go really good. So I actually built and sold this company within one year and one day to wow, go back nice. to your previous question. And that was that was kind of mind blowing to me because I know I know maybe that sounds like kind of small ball to uh, myself than you know myself now and then other people who are doing you know hundreds and thousands of dollars on their e-commerce store, but uh, you know at the time when I sold that that you know was a lot of money That's to a be made huge payday, yeah, in, in yeah. you know one year and one day. I mean a lot most people at home they're dreaming about being able to make six figures in a year. Yeah, yeah, and. What I think what people don't realize is not only did you make six figures selling the business, but you also made money off of the store 
running it, right? Right, I did. Uh, definitely, I think it was probably four, 40K I, I kept or so by running the store. But like I said, um, all kinds of other money went into reinvestment. You know what I mean? So, so like, were you like pulling like some, some profits out of it? Uh, yeah, of course, because I you know want to eat obviously okay. <laughs> and pay rent. So I was uh, pulling profits out of it, but I always live well below my means. You know what I mean? So um, I wouldn't go and be buying extravagant things. I would just buy you know some really good uh, health food like we talked about, and then paying rent. Um, you know, I have my regular car and stuff. I don't even use a car out here, obviously, but yeah. Okay, I like it. So uh, exactly one year and one day. <laughs> That is for um, tax reasons. I'm not a CPA. I don't uh, claim to be. And anybody who files taxes should use a professional CPA and not take it from me. But um, when you build and sell an asset in less than a year, you have to pay additional taxes. So as long as the business is one year and one day, you're going. It's going to be considered a long-term capital gains. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I like that. That's pretty smart. Yeah. American passport problems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But... In general, do people want to see 12 months of, of income as well? Oh, well, they don't always want to. But um, what generally what happens is uh, a way a business gets evaluated is uh, they look at your cash flow and then they'll take your profit of one year, your most recent year, and multiply that by three. And then um, you know whatever else you have in your business, if you have an awesome website that's ranked, if you have some good social media, a blog, all these, an email list, star on that email list. That's really important. Um, all these extra add-on things will add value to your business. So, uh, yeah, okay. that, that, that's pretty much the way it went. This was a, a very short life business because most businesses should be alive for three years before you consider selling it. So, I mean, um, every, every contract's different. I mean, my contract was pretty draconian. So, um, I took a little bit of a dive on the price to get, you know, most of my money up front and then uh, a short turning period for okay. the new buyer. So, like, can, can I kind of explain that for people that who have never Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I'm talking too fast or I'm talking too deep, that's a problem I have. So, yeah, you take over. Yeah, okay. So, you say in, in the ultimate situation, uh, a, a business has been running for three years, and then you might be able to get a 36-month multiplier. So, if you make $1,000 a month from it, you should be able to get $36,000 uh, for the site. Right. Um, but you've had yours for... Exactly a year, and I'm assuming you put it for sale, you know, before that year. You, right, that's that correct. Year was older, so like, do people just kind of figure out, like, well, it hasn't really been 12 months, but let's do it. Let's let's do the average of the last eight months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, with my particular contract, um, the deal was done where I get 90 percent cash up front, and then 10 percent after the 30 day training period. Okay. So also because I would like, you know, that's a very draconian contract. That's going to take a little bit off the top of my price, also. So that's a great, like that's great for you because you don't have to wait thirty days to get the rest of it, right? Right. Yeah. And then normally, so the so the other offers, the ones that give you a little bit more, how long would they kind of hold that? Actually, oh man, yeah, I really uh, again, I'm not a, a business broker, but just things I've seen in the past. You know, there's guys who wanted to keep me on. There's guys who wanted to give me an extra payout after new products reached a certain amount of revenue. So every every contract and every buyer is different. Okay. So, so, I, so I went through many. I, I talked to many different people before. Uh, uh, you know coming to a, a deal with the final buyer. Okay. So, so like what were some of the offers that people have, uh, have you know, gave you that you, that you rejected? Um, oof, let me see here. That was about a year ago. So, um, yeah, it was just, just this things I mentioned before, uh, somebody wanted to offer me more money to stay on. Somebody wanted to offer me consulting fees. Um, uh, and then there's other people who are offering me more money up front, but the deal is I had to stay on and some of the money would be left in escrow 
until uh, certain revenue marks were, were met. You know what I mean? And um, I never wanted to go with any of those deals simply because I uh, wanted to wash my hands, uh, do something new, and be able to focus entirely on new projects. Because my, I, I don't know about you, but my mind can only handle so many projects at one time. So, I, I know yeah. exactly what yeah. you mean, man. <laughs> Two to three is like my maximum. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, really smart of you. I, I, I like that. So... Um, and I, I do have a, a pretty good relationship with a buyer still. So I still talk to them, you know, just, uh, you know, anytime they have questions or if they want to share information with me or I want to share information with them, we'll just hit each other up on Skype. So we keep uh, the relationship like pretty, uh, what, what is it, informal yeah. now. So. so what broker did you go there? I used a broker called WebsiteClosers.com and my broker's name was Greer. Okay. And, and, and I'm assuming they're, they're good, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm actually still talking to them. I talked to them like a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah, I want to check them out. Website brokers? Yep. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. Web, website closers. That closers. Was, yes. Website like closers.com. Always be closing. Yeah. Frank Cardone thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, so uh, how much was that, that, that business kind of profiting per month when you sold it? Um, oh, man. I'd, I'd have to open up my, my P&Ls and my computer. Um, I mean, in Christmas, I know we did 65k in revenue in Christmas, and I feel and everything before that was always around the 20 to 25 mark, and I believe my uh, profit margins were somewhere around 40 percent. Okay. Yeah. Maybe awesome. maybe a little bit higher, but okay. at the minimum would have been 40 percent. So so do you know what your like your actual um, what's it we call it? like the multiplier was at the end when you sold it for 100 was it 100 something thousand? No, nah, I think we, it was, turned out to be about like two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But which is very fair, right? Right. So, yeah. So that's what twenty seven percent, twenty eight percent, or something. Uh. So let's see here. If it's sold for one forty, that means what? What's one forty divided by like three? Let's see, one forty divided <laughs> well, by three. Where goes the math? You, you, you th- yeah, right you think we'd be great at this? <laughs> All right. That's forty. So let's just say it's about forty five k per year, okay. right? And then a mm, little, little bit less than that because, like I said, I sold real quick. In the beginning stage of the business, of course, we're not making that much money mm-hmm. because we're just getting started. So, you know, the first couple months was bringing in, like, what, 10K, 15K? Yeah, that makes it, sense. it just grew from there. Yeah, and, and I'm sure people will like seeing the growth as well. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. If you can, off. you always want to sell on the, the upstream, not the downstream. Yeah, no, that's really smart. So you sold that first one for 140000 Yep. Uh, and then you have, you have all this money. Did you decide... Hey, I'm gonna take a break, or did you jump straight into another project? I uh, oh man, this is this is the problem I have here. I uh, want I was so looking so forward to uh, taking a break and just having uh, very minor responsibilities for like at least a year, then breaking into something new. But then uh, a new product idea and a new brand fell into my face, and uh, I was like, ah, this window is open now. It might not be open in the future, so I jumped on that. Okay, nice. And I'm glad I did because uh, the first month we started selling with that new brand was over 30k in revenue. Oh, nice! And that's Very the cool. first month. And when you so, say we, do you mean you have, do you have partners? Oh, well, right now I'm just by myself. Okay. Yeah, I mean I have lots of um, people who work with me and work for me, but uh, as far as being owner and operator, that's all me. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, by by the way, this uh, business I sold, I did this twice before. Okay. So I've built and sold uh, two businesses before this one. Yeah, actually, it was kind of cool because these ones sold within six months of each other. Okay. So um, the scheme I told you with the one, it was pretty much just a repeat of the first time. The other business was older, and uh, that one sold for uh, what was it like two? They totaled three sixty five. So three sixty five minus one forty. That was <laughs> here know. we go. Here we go again with the sweet so math. Three six five minus one forty. Yeah. 
Man, you think as businessmen we better so there you go two twenty <laughs> two twenty five was the uh, sale price on the other one. Wow, so t- you sold it for two hundred twenty five thousand dollars. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, I had a partner in that one, so I took fifty percent. Okay, yeah, so still over a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah. How do you know how much you guys like put like actually put into the business? Um, that business that sold for two twenty five was started with about thirty thousand dollars. Okay, the nice. second business that sold for one forty was started with like three thousand dollars. Three thousand? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great, man. Yeah, like, like I said, the part of that thirty thousand dollars, like ten thousand dollars plus, was a loss. So yeah, that didn't okay. all, that didn't all go towards success. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people, you know, they don't hear that part of it, right? They right. Don't hear, you know, that the first ten grand is just in, in learning. Yeah. Know, Hard knocks error, learning. Yeah. You know, but and, then if you if you stick to it, then you then you start having the knowledge experience. For these big paydays, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's very rare somebody succeeds on their first time. And those who do succeed their first time, they don't necessarily respect the dollar. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, losses are, are a real thing. And uh, I'm glad I had that experience early on. So I know not to repeat a lot of the mistakes that I made. I think that's actually the number one uh, trait of entrepreneurs who are successful. You know, every single week I, I sit down with a different entrepreneur and pretty much 99% of them, uh, they spent money, they failed, and they just kept going. You know, they didn't have an excuse of saying, "Oh, this is BS, this doesn't work." You know, or there's, there's, they don't get hung up on the hard parts of it. They just say, "Well, you know what? Lesson learned. Uh, now I know. You know, it's complicated. Business is complicated." Yeah, and it sucks too because I, th- you pretty much just not have to quit because this is the thing about business. It doesn't care how many times you failed. It only needs you to succeed one time. You know what I mean? It's not like a career. It's not like a, a college diploma, which I don't have, by the way. And uh, it, business only cares about one success. It doesn't care about all the other failures. So uh, as long as you keep punching, you're going to eventually you know, hit one out of the park. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I love that because that kind of gives people hope. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, uh, I, there's this guy like Ver- Gary Vanderchuk. He, uh, he gives reality checks quite a bit. So the only reality check I'm going to give you is... Uh, for, for anybody who's listening is like I said, the biggest reasons I see people fail is uh, lack of cash or lack of cash flow or poor management of that cash and or cash flow. So definitely have your PNL, have your idea and make sure, you know, you have enough money to continue growth and uh, reinvestment. Like I said, all I do is reinvest. I just pull out just barely, you know, enough of what I need to, uh, you know, pay myself and, uh, you know, have a place to live and food and, you know, travel and splurge sometimes. But, uh, that, that 10 K we're talking about monthly, you know, it's, it was over that it was less than that, but most of that money always goes into reinvestment. Even now, even now, because like I said, with my new business that had the explosive uh, growth, we just talked about, yeah, sure. If I'm getting 30, 40% profit margins on 35 K that's what 15,000, 16,000, whatever that's technically profit. No, I don't want to run out of inventory. I want to expand. I want to grow. I want to get bigger and better. And um, that that's really the key to making a, a high-profiting cash flow business. I like it. Actually, you know, it's, uh, this kind of reminds me of what I do with dropshipping. It's, it's almost exactly the same. The only good, like the, I would say the biggest benefit of dropshipping is there's no inventory costs. I love that. That is, I tell you what, what I do is 80% fear, 20% skill. And... Uh, that, that 80% fear comes from when you're making wires to a factory and you don't really know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? If you wire what you, you wire, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody has a different opinion of what's big, you know, big and small money. But 
when that money goes away, you don't know if it's going to come back. And that adds this level of stress. It's invisible, but it's there. And that's one thing I like about the uh, dropshipping model, actually. I, I don't have a dropshipping store and, or anything like that, but I do like that uh, the lack of overhead required is very, very cool. There's not very many business models you can do that with. Yeah, it's, it's definitely crazy, especially like startup costs, you know, way less than $1,000 for, for dropshipping store. And yeah. for most people, if, you know, besides like the, so the learning curve, I think it's, it's, it's similar and different. I, I think that the, the benefit of the dropshipping learning curve is you can mess up two, three, four stores and you might only spend 200 bucks messing those up because you're not ordering any inventory. Uh, you don't actually, you know, spend any money on inventory until you sell something. Uh, but then the, there's also kind of pros and cons of both. I would say for... There definitely is. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll throw mine out there yeah. first. Obviously, with private label, that, that's what I do. That's what I'll continue to do as long as it's uh, working, as long as I'm making good progress. Um, the ability for fast growth with private label is really it's really high. That's all up to you because you own the brand. You own the website. Uh, you can make really... You can make more growth happen with private label. With drop shipping, the major pro is the lack of overhead required. And what's cool about both of these is as long as you're running them like a real business and you're keeping a hardcore P&L that you can prove in bank statements, they can both be sold. And that's what's awesome. That's why jobs aren't cool. You can't sell a job when you quit. If you have a successful business and you want to quit or move on, you can sell it. And I think you can sell, uh, well, obviously you can sell private label stores. Uh, you can sell all kinds of other brick and mortar businesses. And you can too also sell drop shipping stores. Do you know anybody who's been doing that? You know, I wasn't going to mention it because <laughs> uh, I was, I was going to save it for another podcast, but oh, I'm actually okay. in talks right now to sell one of my, my dropshipping stores. Ah, all right. Well, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Stay tuned, <laughs> stay tuned viewers. <laughs> stay tuned. And But you're exactly right. As long as you keep uh, accurate, um, like, so you call P&L, profit and loss statements. And like, so basic accounting, right? And it's actually crazy how many people uh, I've met who have, you know, are doing like, you know, maybe, maybe they're only selling like, let's say $10,000 a month in, in inventory. But then I'm like, oh, show me your accounting because they, they want some help with something. And they're like, oh, I don't have any. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have – like you don't have a spreadsheet? Yeah, you need that spreadsheet. And you, need, I, you need that spreadsheet for tax purposes too. I mean I know some people have different uh, tax requirements in different countries. But oh, man, yeah, you got to definitely keep that P&L. And you need to run things through at least an LLC in my opinion to put that, that um, level of protection between you and your business. So that, that's the way I do it. At, at, at minimum, an LLC, if not an S-Core, when you get to certain uh, revenue levels. But yeah, you, you really do got to do some accounting, at least on a, a, an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, so actually, I have, so I have a question about, like when you sell and you get this big, you know, let's say 100K um, payout, right? Okay. Uh, do they normally just do it through like a bank, like a bank transfer? Or how does that work? Uh, well, it's kind of like a house closing, a little Cold War, if you will. There's going to be a, a closing agent. So... Uh, the buyer is going to send the money to the closing agent. I'm going to send all the details of my business to the closing agent, including names and passwords, etc. And uh, once both of them are in the hands of the closing agent, they get the uh, document and all the rights to the trademark and things like that and the brand ownership. And then I get the money. Okay. Yeah. And so with the money, like, does, how does, it, like, does the government see like all of a sudden, you know, you go from making, let's say like a normal, you know, you're like, Let's say before you sell the store, right? Right. You, know, you might have fifty to hundred k in, in income a month. Right. I mean, uh, sorry, a uh, year. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this year you have like an extra hundred thousand dollars. This is all tracked, man. Um. So whenever you are filing taxes for your e-commerce store, it doesn't matter if it comes from Stripe, PayPal, 
Amazon, eBay, all these things get reported to the IRS. That's why we get our 1099s at the end of the year. Um, when this transfer of money happens for a sale of a business, you also get a 1099 from the closing agent. So this is not super secret hideable money, mm. unless, of course, you know you have a, a, a non-U.S. passport or you have different tax rules. Okay. So and and then so are you going to have to pay like a ton of taxes here? Oh, I'm, I know. Thank goodness for my CPA. Uh, he he, I give him the P and Ls. He checks them. I give him the uh, 1099s. He checks them. Everything like that. Um, for selling a business, you generally fall under capital gains tax. Um, for the revenue, as you know, when you're just running a business, you're going to pay capital gains. You're going to pay self-employment tax. These things. So th- these things add up. But uh, yeah, I'm going to owe quite a bit of money. <laughs> I think it's it's hard because you're like, man, I have all this money. I see you see this big number in your bank account, yeah, and then all of a sudden it, dro- it drops. But at the same time, I guess we have to think of it as you know, half that money or you know, forty uh, percent of that money never was ours in the first place, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a depressing fact. That's why I want to write off as much as possible. That's another reason I jumped into this into a new business is to make as many write offs as possible okay. for the year. Oh so, yeah, that, yeah, that's actually really smart, right? So you like when you start a new business, you're gonna have more expenses, so you're just gonna basically pile on new business expenses. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can definitely uh, benefit from learning tax law for whatever uh, country's tax laws you fall under because uh, an LLC, S-Core, uh, all businesses are able to have a car that you can write off to like a 50%, maybe more, not maybe depending on the car, I'm not too sure. But uh, definitely learn your tax laws so you know things you can buy instead of having to pay all that money at the end of the year. You can write off as much as possible and have some cool stuff and further your business. You can find business class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that little one. Uh, yeah, what was that guy's name? Uh, he's got his he's got his act together really well. Uh, Sam. Sam Marks. Yeah. Buddy Sam. Yeah, he uh, was mentioning that that flight to Hong Kong. Definitely gonna check that out sometime. Yeah, I mean these are great, you know, great higher value poems. Uh, so I am actually still in talks with. Um, I have two offers. Uh, one's for sixty-five thousand, and one's for sixty grand. And what's Baller. really thank Good. you. Yeah, what's really great is it didn't cost me anything to start these stores. Uh, it, I probably spent way less than a thousand dollars to start it. So it's kind of like that scalability where, like, with a private label brand, I think it's great because you can get a much bigger payout. You know, um, but at the same time, there's that there's the upfront costs and then the monthly reinvestment in the inventory. Yeah, and the risk involved also. And the risk, yeah, and the, and the risk involved uh, with dropshipping. Overall, is a lower payout. I mean, I'm still super happy. Like either way, sixty grand. I mean, that is more than I ever made in college. You know, like I, I went to college and I still never made sixty grand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yeah. this is just like a like a one day payout, basically, which is amazing. That um, that is that is amazing. And um, you know, more importantly than the money you're going to gain from this, it's the skills you gained, the skills with Shopify, the skills with accounting, the basic overall business uh, mentality, and. Uh, those those are priceless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm actually already thinking. You know what? Once this goes through, I'm probably gonna take a break. I'm gonna chill out for a month or two. Uh, hopefully, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe you'll have the same situation I did. Yeah. But then after that, I'm like thinking. Well, you know what? When I'm gonna start stores again, why not start it with the intention of selling? You know, because I think right now that one of the biggest uh, problems I'm having is my paperwork's so messy. Just because you know, I never intended to sell any of the stores. I'm just like, oh, I'm pretty happy making. You know, making you know, two, three K a month from it and just cash flow and just be able to live off of. Never had any intention of actually selling it. But the next stores, like definitely, I'm gonna have that 12 month calendar and say, as soon as that 12 months hits, you know, I'm gonna flip the business. Everything's gonna be like packaged already. So it's just, just out there. Yeah, that's awesome. 
pretty much handing over the keys, if you will. Yeah. Have everything exactly. all packaged and ready to go in the, the name of the business, the brand. So, nothing attached to your personal name. Easy handover. Nice. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, if these stores are, you know, with these brands are making money, why would we ever sell them? There's, there's not a thing in this world I want to do forever. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just me, though. Uh, there's all kinds of, of stuff out there and cool stuff to get into. And once you know you build yourself a little uh, pillow, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of cash, you can, uh, you know, maybe get started in a new business, a new passion, even a disruptor business, something that could take longer, you know, something you could do crowdfunding, something, you know, big, something that could, uh, you know, change the world more than whatever you're doing now. There's always something else, you know, there, there's no final solution to anything. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And for me personally, it's mainly because when I started the stores, uh, there was no such thing as mobile responsive websites yet. So my, you know, my stores on a like iPhone, uh, they just don't load well, right. And I'm like, okay, it's time to redo the whole website. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna redo everything anyways, I almost might as well just start another store. Like it wouldn't be that much more work for me. Like sure, I have to get new suppliers and think of a new niche. But I've done that now a few times. I've, I've now had two or three stores now. So I'm thinking, you know what? This is a, a great handoff to someone else. Get a big chunk of, uh, of cash. Be able to chill out for a few months and just not have any responsibilities. And just know I had that money in a bank account or hopefully in some kind of another investment. Yeah, uh, there's all kinds of good stuff you can do. You know, with that. Yeah, sure, you can keep the money and run it forever, but. You could put that money into uh, offshore index funds. You can put that money into private equity. This is this new stuff I'm getting into now, and I've had you know pretty good success doing it so far. There's all kinds of investments you can make with that money, and then you can even start a new business like we talked about. So there's there's always a future to look forward to. Yeah, I like it. So what so uh, what do you do? Like what did you do with your money? Okay, um, so with my money, I took about sixty k of it. And put it into my new brand. I took about 30k and put it into private equity. I took about 20k and put it into a non-US stock market. And um, everything has done really well so far. Um, that's not always going to be the case. You're going to have losers, especially when it comes to investing in, uh, you know, things that are not yours. There's, you're always going to have losers. But right now, uh, everything's turned out to be well. Okay, awesome, um, man. Yeah, yeah. And then of course. Um, yeah, just uh, I think I have a time deposit and a multi-currency account where the rest just stays, and I just use that whenever necessary. Okay. So when you say private equity, what do you mean by that? Um, like um, micro-investing in new startups, things that are not publicly available to invest in, things that are not like, you know, when something IPOs, the public can start to invest in it. It would be investing in a business on the ground floor. Yeah. So are you are you the one like going out looking for this as like a venture capitalist, or how does that work? Um, so I have a uh, group of people and um, what they do is they do due diligence on um, private equity opportunities and they make sure pass all their tests they'll write up a report and uh, then of course they'll do a recording there'll be a report from the company a report from them a recording an interview they did and pretty much all these things get put on my desk and then I can decide you know how much money I want to put into something like this man big boss problems though no no um, (laughs) (laughs) there's yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, again, I'm, I'm new to it. I'm only doing small, small investments. The smallest investment I did was like 2K into one private equity deal and then 25K into another private nice. equity deal. But still, like when you were, you know, like let's say you're, you're like you're out of high school, right? Right. Didn't go to college. 
right? Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever think that you would be in this situation? No, no, I didn't. Um, I did not. And, uh, it's been definitely a learn as you go thing. And, um, you know, that you need to be able to self-diagnose and look where you're at, look where you're going and, uh, definitely stay ethical, stay helpful. So, uh, yeah, and, no, I never expected to be in this kind of position, but, um, you know, I'm very, very grateful to be in it. It's always, you need to recognize that you might not always be in this position and then, uh, not, not become a bad person either. You know what I mean? Like you need to stay out ethical, help new people, learn from people who are above you, get motivated by people at your level. Nice. Yeah. Stay humble. I'm, I'm rambling now. <laughs> no, no, I like it. And you know, I mean, even like Sam Marks, uh, uh, if you guys haven't listened to that, that interview, definitely listen to it. This guy sold his company for, I think it was, how many million? Million? Twenty-five million? He was on your podcast, I, man. I don't not remember mine. now. No, it was, sorry, it was a hundred million dollars, and he still like he still stays humble. He flies a uh, coach every other time just so he doesn't get used to it. Uh, he doesn't spend money on on crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, yeah, where is he? Bring him on over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, might, he actually might just be upstairs. <laughs> oh, oh, he lives here. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, that's pretty wild. You yeah. can literally go knock on this dude's door. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, that that podcast, um couple other talks yeah great great information great information so like let me ask you like so why like why are you on this podcast like why do you want to share all this information um probably because i know what it feels like to be at rock bottom in the business world and personal world i guess too and um give people who are starting out um you know or at our level motivation to uh continue and uh stay stay gold stay gold pony boy is that from a movie? Oh yeah, man, Outsiders. I haven't seen it. It's a book and a movie. Okay, okay we'll skip, we'll skip it. Let's go on to something else. <laughs> but yeah, like definitely, like stay on track. You know, keep keep hustling. You know, keep working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stay on track. Keep hustling. Keep working. Uh, network. Make new friends. Um, you know, travel. Have fun. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like one like a big takeaway from this. I think what's crazy is I think a lot of people more than any other episode stopped listening after the first 10 minutes not because you didn't have a great story or you know you're not successful or you're not giving value but because right in the first 10 minutes you kind of like said all these things that that are they're difficult you know that make people think like man this is a lot of work you know and i bet you a ton of people just stop listening they're like this is not the business for me i'm not going to get into private labeling you know skip let me let me go to yeah that's actually episode. why i started with the hard stuff man because you're gonna have to root out uh <laughs> a, a, a certain uh percentage but um oh man what where was it going with this i'm one of those people actually i'm usually one of those people where if it's a uh, doom and gloom in the beginning i turn off i stop being one of those people but uh yeah I, I i personally i think i just like to get to the i like to trim off the fat and get to the meat because you know we only have so much time in our lives to uh to find out what's really going to make a difference. How did you kind of make that, that mindset shift? Um, uh, what mindset? As far as what? So as far as like the, you know, you, you said like before, like if you would list, if you would hear how hard something is, you heard all the downsides, you might just, just stop it and be like, you know, that, that, that's too much work. And you said now you're the opposite. Now, like, you, like you'll see, you know, it's hard work. You'll see all the, the downsides, the doom, and you'll be like, okay, well, I can get through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you should have a good understanding of both sides. And don't don't think too far into the future either, right? especially when some people start out and they start seeing success. They start thinking about all these cool cars and cool houses and whatever they can possibly buy in the future. Now, focus on where you're at. Focus on the growth. Don't worry about uh, the future. Uh, well, always, always be looking at the big picture into the future, but don't don't be silly with uh, material goods and things you don't aren't capable of owning yet. I think, like for me, like I'm I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone just starting out, and 
part of me wants to give them the recommendation, like, don't worry about anything we just talked about in this whole episode. Just get started. No matter what, like, the only thing you should take away from this episode is whatever happens, you know, you'll get through it and it'll be worth it at the end of the day. The other part of me wants to kind of think, like, you know what, maybe it's good to know all the the possible downsides, know the big picture, you know, and kind of uh, work your way backwards, you know, assuming everything's going to be successful, uh, you're going to sell the business one day, so set it up from day one like that. But at the same time, if if people kind of overthink it and start thinking all these things, maybe they'll just never get started. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you definitely want to... What, what was this... Uh, theory it was um um okay hell help me out here it was something like uh ready fire aim yeah ready fire aim you need to have that mentality to a certain point and then but also understand the risk involved of what you're getting into so dive into it but know the risks and then that should find you a good balance i like it yeah i definitely like it and so actually one of the reasons why i didn't want to uh talk about selling my businesses yet is I didn't want to, I wanted to do like a big, like, I don't know. I don't want to say like a press report, but like have almost like a whole episode uh, dedicated to, to kind of breaking down everything behind it. Because I think a lot of times when people kind of hear about an exit, they assume that it's going to happen. Yeah. Or, right. yeah. I mean, and this might take another, you know, month, six months, you know, who, whoever knows, or I might decide to just keep the store, you know, but I think it's awesome just knowing um, that I have that option. That it's you know that there are two people willing to you know to give me sixty and sixty five thousand dollars for a business that I built for twenty nine bucks, uh, you know that's pretty baller. The, the first month of, <laughs> of Shopify, yeah. no inventory, never spent any inventory, uh, and it's just it's it's insane, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah, for sure. And, I don't know. <laughs> I want to add something to this. I forgot what it was though. No, but, yeah. I mean, so I think it's it's awesome that you're you know, that you're still excited about creating new brands. Is it, do you, do you think it's more of a, like a, sometimes holding on to passion becomes hard with difficulties. Um, but yeah, you definitely gotta, you gotta fight through the low points. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, sometimes you will lose your passion because you're just going to, you know, get hit with all these obstacles, you know, shout out to Peter on storetasker.com. That dude is an animal with Shopify. Just absolutely savant. He, uh, I've been kind of going through a little 48-hour nightmare moving my uh, one of my brand websites from uh, uh, WordPress to Shopify. And this this guy, yeah, he he's the man. He made it happen. Okay. So, so what do they actually do? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Store Tasker? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, they do web development for Shopify. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. If anything from uh, building a complete store, one jobs. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So what made you start on WordPress and why did you want to switch to Shopify? Oh, well, because I didn't know anything other than WordPress in the beginning. And then um, once I started seeing Shopify, I'm like, wow, this is way better. <laughs> so I just made that switch. I made it way later than I should have. But uh, yeah, I made that switch and I probably won't go back. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, WordPress yeah. is great for, you know, uh, if somebody's just doing a, a, a blog or some other types of websites. But as far as e-commerce of physical goods, I don't think anything can touch Shopify. Yeah. Uh, I, I've tried all the other different ones, like BigCommerce, uh you, the, Word, the WordPress ones and Shopify has been has been amazing. It's been two and a half years, and this is another reason why I'm glad I started with Anton's course and I didn't try to do it on my own. Is because I I know most people who started on their own, they spent a lot of time using like uh, WooCommerce or those free um, plugins for for WordPress, you know, or like another alternative that's a little bit cheaper or you know whatever it is, and they ended up spending 
more time and more money trying to like a big headache trying to switch back over to Shopify when I never had to deal with that because when Anton said in module three, okay guys, now it's time to sign up for Shopify. I'm like, okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, you can definitely make progress and build businesses on custom websites and WordPress, you know, because that, 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 that's what I did. But uh, yeah, when, once you get the Shopify bug, there's really no going back. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I actually have a 20% off coupon for anyone listening. Uh, I think, I don't even know how you get it. I think if you just go to johnnyfd.com and sign up for the mailing list, it gets sent out. It's my dropshipping discounts PDF. It's everything that I personally use for all my stores, uh, including Shopify, the you know the email service I use, like the uh, all the apps I use. Everything's listed. And if there is a coupon or a discount for it, I have a link to it. Uh, so look for it on there. Um, I think you can also find it on my, my recommended resources page. So definitely check that out because I'm paying $79 a month for my, for my Shopify premium uh, plan for one of my stores. And then because I, I didn't have the coupon when I first signed up. And then for my second store, because I did have the coupon, now I'm only paying 59 bucks a month. So it's a huge difference. I'm saving like $18 a month kind of added up every single month. And you know when you're kind of starting a business, I think it's it's so... Like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's, it's one of those things where like you want to save as much money as possible. <laughs> like even if you start making a lot. Yeah, yeah because yeah. the uh, future is always a known. That's the whole idea of diversifying yourself and saving a little bit of money because the future can be a known, especially in business. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, I mean, that's the whole definition of being an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And it's not for everybody, but uh, it's definitely rewarding once you get past those mental barriers that we just talked about. So do you think these are like more mental barriers or do you think these are like real barriers? For some people, they just... Like shouldn't well failing and not being able to try again is uh some some kind of barrier. You know what I mean? I don't know if you want to call it mental or physical, but uh, failing and not being able failing 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 and not being able to try again that's a that's a problem. But uh, the rest should be you know overcomable. Yeah, I think you know taking that a little bit further, I think it's fail better each time. Yeah, and that's great that you bring that up because I think if someone fails. And then they cannot blame. They have. They, they feel like the need to blame someone else. You shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Like if you like, let's say you sign up for a course, or you like, kind of just try to back or analyze what we've been saying. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot, and you fail. If you blame someone else, you're probably not gonna be a good entrepreneur. But if you instead you're like, okay, that didn't work. Let me figure out why that didn't work. Let me see if there's anything I did I did incorrectly or I could have done better next time, uh, or what are some lessons I've learned from it. And then you try again, and then you kind of and you repeat that until you're successful. That is the trait of an entrepreneur that's going to be successful. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people they I mean the biggest problem you know that I hear with uh, this digital nomad, nomad movement and entrepreneur movement uh, is. It makes it sound so easy, right? Yeah, you know, that's something I forgot about I want to talk about. Um, you know, in 2016, this is not part-time. Maybe it is for, for certain people, but for me, this is not part-time. This requires my full attention. I need to be able to show up and apply constant pressure, you know, every single day to get this to work. So even now, like, like can you tell me kind of like your, your work schedule? Or your... Uh, yeah, so I wake up. I do my best to have breakfast before checking emails. All right, so um, I'll wake up, I'll eat, I'll get right into it. Um, may try to make some sweet coffee or tea we talked about, and uh, just get right into it. Um, st- stretch out a little bit if I'm going to spend some time on a computer. Um, knock out those emails if I, there's anything that needs my attention. Um, focus on some growth. Um, take a break. 
usually go to the gym and uh, come back and then go for another uh, grind session and um, then try to finish by, you know, evening. And uh, every day, I feel like every day is going to be a good four to six to eight hours of work. Wow, try so to cap it off. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had to do marathons like I did for this past 48 hours. But uh, that's I try to do that to keep sane and stay healthy. So you work like a like a pretty like a normal 30 40 hour work week. Mm, you know, I'm I'm lying. We can't call it 40. We just can't. I'm probably doing 25 to on this on on my personal businesses, I'm probably doing 25 to 30 a week. I would, let's say 25 a week and then extra time on the other things we talked about. Okay. But I think a big Learning, difference growth, uh, new skills, things like that. Yeah. And and I think one of the differences between us working, let's say, tw- even even 20 hours a week versus working 20 hours a week at a normal job is when we're working at a normal job, we're not really working 40 hours a week. No, we are, because we know. have to pay for gasoline and have a car and um, do social stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, even when I'm sitting at my cubicle in, at you know my old corporate job, I wasn't working 40 hours a week. I was messing around. I was at the water cooler chit-chatting with my my colleagues. Oh, you're talking about making pro- well, of course <laughs> not. Yeah, because it's a job. You don't really care. You're going to it doesn't if it doesn't affect your paycheck, you don't care. Yeah. Like let's be real here. Even myself, if I'm back when I had a job, I was like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if it's not going to affect my paycheck, I really don't want to go ahead and put extra work in. And as much as you, you know, you could get away with it, we'd be on Facebook or chatting or, you know, just do anything else pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, like for sure. Yeah, but when you say you work 20, 25 hours a week, as an entrepreneur, those are probably productive times, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that's um, that's you know really making progress type work. And you know, I, I don't want to make myself sound like I was a bad worker when I had a job. I was good. I I held passion on. I tried to do as real as possible. But everybody has their limit, you know, as far as that goes. I think I was a great worker for the first year because I was excited about it, right? Cause yeah, I, I felt that like, excitement, that passion. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, the, my second year, my, my, sitting in the cubicle, like, I was like, like nothing I'm doing is really making a difference. Um, nobody, you know, the manager d- doesn't want to hear my, like, ways that I can help improve the business. You know, they're having us come to these, you know, these meetings every week that are a complete waste of our time. We're filling out these reports that don't need to be filled out. Uh, they're just kind of like just random bureaucracy and paperwork. Yeah, losing time. Let's just talk about that. I hate losing time. I think I lo- hate losing time more than I hate losing money because we can always get more money. We can't get more time. But of course, when you lose large amounts of money, you lose a certain amount of time at the same time because you put your time to make that money. So I guess it's a little paradoxical right there. How does it like, how's your life changed now that you have a lot more income coming in? Nothing. Nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> now there is no difference. I probably spend less money on myself now than I did when I had a job job. That's crazy. Or when I was at university. So, like, what are your monthly expenses kind of on average? Oh, like, what do you I for aim for, okay, my rent is $290, all right? And it's a, it's a little condo, all right? That's, it's a big condo. It's fully furnished. It's got a kitchen. You know what I mean? It's got a sweet balcony. It's big with a little dinner table on it. Swimming pool, gym. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, 200, what were you spending back home for rent before you did, made this move? Oof, so probably 600 minimum. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and it probably wasn't your own place with a swimming pool and a gym? No. Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> no. But it, nonetheless, it doesn't matter where I'm living. I don't care if I'm living in the U.S. or somewhere else. I'm always going to live below my means. You That's know what smart. I mean? I, could I buy, could I go buy a sweet, um, 
Austin Martin or something? Yeah, I could, but that would be the stupidest waste of money I could possibly do, man. I'm, I'm good with that Ford Explorer. I'm good with, uh, you know, being conservative with uh, my dining out. I, I mean, I dine out all the time here, but I'm talking about I'm not going for, like, steaks every day or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, it's just my mentality. I live very, very low, minimalist, if you will. Somebody just left a comment on uh, on my last income report. Uh, so every month, if you guys don't check the blog, Jenny FD, I, I put out exactly how much money I make from all my different sources. And one guy, you know, he commented saying, Johnny, if you're really making 15K a month, why are you living in a place that's $300 a month uh, for rent? And he's like, if I was making 15000 I I would be, you know, I, I would like move into a much nicer place. I'd like ball out, spend more money. And I really wanted to comment saying, this is why you're broke. <laughs> Dude, yes. You took the words out of my mouth. I'm glad you said it, not me. I didn't want to. Yeah. No, man, no. It's That's not what you want to do. You want to put your money into um, assets, not liabilities. If anybody doesn't know the difference, assets are intended to make you money. Liabilities do nothing but take from you. So you want to put your money into assets. I'm glad you said that because I actually responded to him and I was like, let me not call this guy an idiot or... Uh, oh, yeah, we got to be nice and diplomatic. Yeah. So Everybody's I, got their breaking point, though. Yeah. So I said to him, I said, uh, you should check out these following books. And I recommended Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> and also, because in that book, you learn about buying um, assets versus liabilities. And then also, uh, I think I, I mentioned like MJ DeMarco's book, uh, Millionaire Fastlane. Ooh, didn't read that. Do I need to? No, you don't need to because you already have that mindset. So it's a, it's a conceptual book. Then. Yeah. It's okay. one of those things where... I think if you're like if you're if you're the type who thinks it's okay to spend hundred fifty dollars on a pair of uh, Jordans or the Cayenne rest shoes, you should be the book. <laughs> nah, man, I bought these I bought these sweet Puma knockoffs at the night market for <laughs> like fifteen bucks. You can't even tell. That's so crazy. But I mean, so actually, I'm I'm at a point now as a premium buyer, I will spend you know. 50, 60, you know, actually, I don't even know. How, it's so crazy calling that a premium buyer, but like I'll, I'll, I'll buy the real pair of Converse. I'll buy the real oh, Adidas. Okay, you know? yeah. So that goes back to the premium product that we mentioned. I destroy shoes. I destroy shoes. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not responsible with my shoe wearing. That's why I went with that particular shoes. But wouldn't <laughs> but your, yeah. like, if you bought like the real brand, wouldn't it last longer? Not with me, man, because I'll be, I'm, I'm a child. I mean, I'll be, I'll be walking through the, I'll step in a puddle. You know what I mean? I'll be in the mud. It's yeah. I can't be trusted with shoes. Now, if we were going to talk about, let's say I seen you at fight fit the other day, right? As far as gloves, headgear, um, a computer, these things I will go premium on. Like we talked about. Okay. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. Man, I, sure. I love getting into like this mindset and, and this is why we do one hour podcast is because the first like 30, 40 minutes is always kind of like you know, this like standard, right? Because, but then like once we get over kind of like that 45 minute mark, it, you really start getting a, a sense of, of the way someone's mind really works. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I didn't even realize it until you said it. The beginning of this podcast was slow starting and kind of do me. Um, why don't you put a note in there to telling, telling your uh, listeners to get past the first 15 minutes or something? No, actually I've done this on purpose now where I, I very, I know 100% if I started every podcast, like all the you know the top ten podcasts with like the hypey ones saying like, you know, in this week's episode we have Corey Michael who makes you know I'm I'm gonna explain how he sold his businesses for three hundred sixty five thousand dollars and if you stick to the very end you're gonna find the four mindset tips that will change your life. The reason why I don't do that is because I want people listening to the show to grind. I want the type of people that are like you know what I'm gonna listen to it because I know I'm gonna learn something from every single guest. 
and I'm going to take action no matter what. That's good. That's having a high quality demographic around you. That's yeah. pretty smart. Yeah. I, I mean, some like once in a while, I'm like, oh man, it would be nice to have, you know, to grow the podcast even more, right? To have even more listeners to, to get to that top 10 business podcasts section because sometimes I listen to the other guys yeah, and I'm like, who are these people with these fake voices that aren't really delivering like real content? They're just kind of delivering like sound bites of what people want to hear. They're not really diving deep. People aren't going to get as much value out of those as they are listening to, to you, you know, to what you really like. Yeah, no, that this is one of my favorite words, actually. Transparency. Yeah. Transparency is something I really value because it's hard to find in uh, today's world not and business world. You know what I mean? So. Uh, what, what we're talking about is what, what I can offer you. I can't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, put on my my uh, sales copy voice. I'm not trying to sell you anything. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully somebody's getting some good information out of here. You know, something else premium. I bought it. Backpack and travel bag. Yeah, we got the sweet Patagonia bag for traveling. Amazing. Nice. Yeah, I like it. that one I'll obviously have forever. You know, I, I'm a, a very recent convert of spending more money on high quality items as well. So. It, it's good. It, it's good to to kind of know that most successful people that I meet, especially in this digital nomad world, I think we actually kind of have very similar podcast. I mean, not uh, mindsets. I think it's one of those things where, like, the the kind of takeaways. If you guys want to like kind of re-listen this episode or just kind of think back on the things that we we kind of both do, even though we are in kind of different businesses, I think we have like really similar mindsets. Thinking. You know what? We're just gonna grind. We're just gonna keep pushing. We're not gonna overspend money, you know, and we're just gonna keep working. Yeah, it's uh once you start to enjoy it, that uh that takes a different level. I mean, burnout is a thing that happens. I've experienced that before. Burnout happens, but uh once you start to enjoy the journey a little bit, then that's where you get a fuller appreciation, I think. So if you were to you know, uh, just wanted to take a break, or let's say you got a little bit burnt out, right? You wanted just to, just to chill, or if you had, you know, a friend in town would you be able to, to kind of put your business into maintenance mode and just work for it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have um, the web developer uh, we talked about. Um, I have a customer service person who handles all the customer service, emails, comments, things like that. Um, they would only contact me if something went terribly wrong and they didn't know how to fix it. And then a social media guy, hopefully he'll get started this week. Um, so yeah, a lot of things are on autopilot. But uh, growth... What, what, what do I handle myself? Growth, uh, product development, because um, I like doing that. Um, big wire transfers, because, you know, there's only a certain amount of money I'm going to trust anybody with. <laughs> and um, speaking with a new supplier. These are all things I do myself. Yeah, I, I think that's really smart. I, yeah. I think that's... Now, th- I do know people who outsource even these things. You know what I mean? I know there, there's a lot of people out there who do more volume and more revenue and more everything than I do. Um you know, and they also have a much higher risk tolerance and they just, you know, have, oh, okay, they got four different brands. They have a whole other bunch of projects and things like this. Um, that's not me right now. I don't know if it ever will be, but um, that is just what, what I've said before. That's just what I do. I like it. So kind of to sum it all up and also kind of give people kind of like a future idea of what, what you're up to. How many, so how long ago did you start your, your first brand? First brand was March of 2013. Okay, nice. Pretty much the exact same time I started my first dropshipping store. So yeah, cool, man. I actually majority. didn't start making any money, though. Like I said, that first year was a total loss for me as far as uh, income. So until March of 2014? Uh, well, I mean, I think I started seeing the light a little bit around August. Okay. 
because uh, when I first started, I mean, production was like two months, sea shipping, that was like another month. So I really didn't start seeing any revenue come in until about the August uh, time frame because, again, there was a lot of other problems that happened also. But uh, it was a slow start. I think I started seeing the light around August, December. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So uh, started around the same time, uh, but dropshipping, because we don't have to wait for actual physical products to come, uh, because we, we just getting them drop shipped a lot faster. So within right. two months I had my, my first sale and I started making money, but kind of fast forward, you ended up selling your, your business for almost double what it, uh, I could potentially sell mine for. Uh, and the reasons for that is with private label, you have probably better, better profit margins. I would assume. Um, Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, to stay, comp- well, I shouldn't just stay just to stay competitive, but, uh, with what I do, I need to, aim for at least a $10 profit margin on anything I sell. If I'm not making at least $10 every time, I won't do it. Is there like a percentage that that, that translates? Well, I mean, those profit margins should increase as you order more volume Mm -hmm. and as you have more customers coming in. So your your profit uh, margins really should increase in the future. But if something doesn't have the potential to be at least uh, $10, then I wouldn't mess with it. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so, I mean, your profit margins with uh, drop shipping should be really greater. I mean, when you guys make a sale, you make a lot more money, right? Yeah, but we, we sell more expensive products. So, I think that one of the big differences is... Yeah, yeah, so you sell more expensive products and I sell more per day, I guess we would yeah, say. exactly. Okay. So, you, you're selling $30 products, but you're selling how many a day? Um, Let's see here. So, I think right now with the new brand, I'm at... Again, this is just brand new. If I'm not doing at least 25 per day, something's wrong. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, for me... Like today, and that's uh, just one product, by the way. That's that's one product. That's not even counting the other ones and things like that. Okay, be so for, for, for yeah. one brand, okay. one brand, one product. Yeah. So for for me, most of my products are between six hundred to two thousand dollars, but I only sold two today. So it's, it's so I think at the end of the day, it kind of adds up to be the same. Um, where like maybe total revenue or is, is probably very similar, um, but with drop shipping, I'm only trying to sell one or two products a day. I'm pretty happy with that. You know, thirty to fifty products a month, but each product might have between a fifty and maybe three hundred dollar uh, prop like uh, net profit, versus you might sell twenty five um, products a day with a ten dollar net profit. So it still ends up kind of being kind of similar, I think. Uh, but what's nice about private labeling is you it, you can justify spending money growing the brand. Like you can you know you can justify spending money on social media as well as. Um, you know, uh, you know, creating not only do you have your Shopify store, but you also have your Amazon store, driving advertising to it, things like that. Yeah, there's also other channels. Uh, like I know some people have had a lot of success moving on to eBay and Jet, also. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, with my old brands, I've had days. If I put both brands combined, I've done you know 150, 200 units a day before. Oh, nice. So, but uh, that's usually like Christmas season. Okay. Yeah, but now, but I, I feel like I was a little bit of a slow learner. Because um, I've seen people who made lots of big progress much faster than I did. But with this new brand coming up and, uh, you know, the upward skyrocketing line, I can do with it. I feel like this is going to be the bigger one for me. So how many brands do you have currently now? Um, let's see here. Um, right now, just this one I'm working on that, that I completely own with my name on it. It's just this one. So I had two previously I sold and now I have this one plus some other projects that are not private label. So Okay, nice. And future plans? Um, build this one up to a good number I can foresee and, um, hopefully sell this one for over a million if I had my way, Really? if I had my way. Wow. Yeah. Now it's going to re- require a lot of uh, overhead spending and growth. Okay. But, um, 
I've, I feel like this one's definitely possible to do that how, how with, long? with my new skills, with okay. my new, with my team, with everything I've learned thus far. I feel like that's definitely possible. That's crazy. I love that, man. Uh, how, how long has this one been selling for now? Uh, this one just went live in January 1st. Okay. And nice. uh, immediately with very, very minimal effort, this one went with one product to uh, like 35K monthly. So about $35,000 uh, in sales a month. Right. Correct. And then, so, so profit for that is probably at least 10,000, right? Yeah, it's over. It's over 10 for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then you're it's probably around, again, I'm always a conservative guesser. I could tell you if I pulled out my P&Ls, but uh, profit margin should be at least, you know, 40% at this point. Nice. And then right now, are you reinvesting most of that? Back yeah, in pretty much, or? pretty okay. much all of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... At, because so, I don't want to run out of inventory. Okay. Again, I, I didn't expect the uh, the growth I had, so I actually did run out of inventory. Oh, did you? But okay, we're, nice. we're back in stock and selling again now and okay. picked up right where we left off. So actually, I'm going to invest even more money into oh. making sure that never happens again. So how much would you have to make uh, per month net profit for it to be worth a million dollars? Okay, so I'm going to pull out my calculator yeah, here. Go ahead. I guess we would just um, do some basic math and our... You know, People listening probably already know the answer, <laughs> and we don't, which is embarrassing. So, so if, it, let's, if it's a thirty-six multiplier, yeah, sure. Would that mean you'd have to make twenty-seven thousand dollars a month in net yeah. profit? So that means, mm, yeah. So let's say just on the safe side, we would have to have probably mm, about ninety-ish per month in revenue. Okay, which is very doable, especially if you add multiple products and you build the premium products. You know, they're high priced, and you you know, keep a, there's an email lists are not created equally. Mm. You know what I mean? So you want to have definitely a good, um, email list of people who are engaged. And, uh, yeah. So let's see here. If this product was to stay at 35, I could add two more that I could strategically pick with my own algorithm. And, you know, there's some basic skills. There's a lot of tools out there. I don't really use them, but like a lot of people use jungle scout to come up with ideas or something else. So yeah, that means 90 K in revenue would be able to be done and probably be ready to go at that point. I like it, man. Yeah. No, the thing is you need to hold it though. You need to be able to hold it and show it's going to continue that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can hold that for a year, yeah, then that's how you would do it. I like it. Actually, uh, this is kind of an important concept too. Yeah. I've, I've learned this, um, just by doing what I do. Um, but there was somebody off shark tank. I believe he said, um, the fastest and most reasonable, if not the only way to get wealthy it's to build a business, sell it, and then invest smartly and repeat the process. Because there's really nothing else in this. You can't really get a job. I mean, I guess you could if you were, I don't know, a pilot for SpaceX or something. You know what I mean? But uh, for an average person, the easiest way to get wealthy is to build and sell a company, make smart investments, and repeat the process. Thank you for, for leaving us with that because that, that makes so much sense. If you guys don't understand that, rewind this, write that down until that drills in your head. You know, it's and, and the reason why that works is it's almost like arbitraging time. Because if you if you build a business that makes let's say a thousand dollars a month of profit, right? In a year, that's twelve twelve thousand dollars. Right. But if you sell it at the end of the year and you get a tw- you know, a twenty five to thirty five multiple, right? That's might be another say you know, $30,000. So all of a sudden for that, for one year work, instead of you making 12,000, you made $42,000, which is insane because it's like you're getting paid for two to three years in advance for building something. And 
if you do that every year and you do and you, and you every single time you know you build a more expensive product that has more profit that has more revenue and because you know even like with with your stuff you know you your first the first stores that you sold like how much was that doing per month in in either revenue or profit um on average if you totaled them both together it should have been probably around the 40 range and then at, of course during christmas that's when you would have got okay. to the 80 or more and then your your second product did, did that it was that like a higher um each each company I built's been better each time. Yeah. And if I sold these two beginner companies for three sixty five, and there was multiple multiple people interested in it, there's no reason I can't you know get this next one to be you know triple that or something. Yeah. The assets. That, that was the exact point it. I wanted to bring up is every single time you know you, you build something, it gets better and better. Uh, you, more money you invest into it, the more time, the more knowledge you invest into it, the higher the payout. So that thousand dollars a month in profit. That turns into forty-two thousand. Why not sell a product that makes two thousand dollars a month profit and have a eighty-two thousand dollar payout? You know, and then do the math for a three thousand, or four thousand, or five thousand. It's, it's insane. Yeah, that. exactly. It is it's very possible, especially with the internet. So, yeah, yeah. I love it. So, hey, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show, Corey. Yeah, no, yeah. pleasure was all mine. I hope uh, somebody out there got some good information, maybe some good mindset. Be all right. I love it. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Um, through you. Really? Okay. Yeah. So if you guys want to ask, uh, you know, Corey, any questions, just leave a comment on episode 113 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. I'll pass it along. I, I, it's really awesome that you came on the show just to literally just to help people and, and share your story. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing else to add to that. Yeah. I hope uh, if I made a positive influence in one person, at least I'm happy. Yeah, if you guys did, please leave a comment on, on the show notes uh, or in the Travel Like a Boss Army, and that way I can forward that to Corey because I'm sure he would love to hear that, man. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you guys all, and I will see you all next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.